Hi, everybody, and welcome to my home. This is my home, as I always remind you. This is the Fireside Chat, which I have virtually every week of the year with you. Completely non-scripted, spontaneous chance to talk to you and take your questions, so you get to know me a little better, and I, at least I get to know what you're thinking. And it's a wonderful thing as we enter a new year, and I hope it's a blessed year for you. So I'll tell you what's on my mind. I read at the uh, the end of uh, last year, I read, I mean, it was amazing. For some reason, it was just piece after piece, Wall Street Journal and other, and other newspapers, about how many Americans are lonely. And it's, it's actually an epidemic in, in the United States, the number of, of lonely people. Now, that doesn't mean alone. There are people who live alone and they're not lonely. Not everybody who is alone is lonely. And, not, and then for that matter, there are married people who are also lonely because they're not in a good marriage and they're lonely. But overwhelmingly, there is a correlation between being alone and being lonely, even though I acknowledge that there are exceptions. Not, but it's more than that. It's also not having close friends uh, not having relatives e either that you're in touch with or that are near you or that are in touch with you. There's a vast number, there are a vast number of Americans who don't speak to their parents, which is a separate subject. I should really cover that. When I get that, I want to cover that one day about adult children who don't speak to a parent. So it's a real crisis, this loneliness thing. And I... It's so obvious one of the biggest reasons, and that is people aren't marrying, and uh, or they or they are widowed or divorced, and they and they have nobody uh, in their life. Uh, not everybody who's widowed or divorced is lonely. I understand this, but I'm talking about the broad numbers of things. But I, I want to talk to you about the marriage issue, especially those of you who are young. You, you can't imagine, in, in, philo in philosophy, there's a term called sea change. I don't know where they got the, the name from, S-E-A. Maybe it's a change as big as the sea. I don't know. But sea change means an enormous change, not a normal change. There's been a sea change in my lifetime, in just the lifetime of this person speaking to you. Much greater than, for example, the change between my parents' lifetime and me, or their parents' lifetime and them. I mean, there are always changes, obviously. But this one is, as just in the last generation, really taken root and is horrible. It was assumed when I was a kid, it was assumed I, I, we'd all get married. There was this, not everybody did, but almost everybody did. And you. you Boys as well as girls, we, we looked forward to it. it. It was a big deal. And it was a big deal, let me explain why, because it was a value. It was a societal value and expectation of you that unless there are other circumstances, let's say uh, boys or girls who were Catholic wanted to be priests or nuns, which is, of course, a very small number, or there was another reason you just never met anybody, uh, but overwhelmingly, everybody married. And everybody married in their 20s because the assumption was that's what you do. Then came feminism, 
and with it, the notion that uh, you may never heard, may have never heard this phrase, but you should look it up. A woman without a man is like a fish without a bicycle. Fish don't need bicycles, and of course, women don't need men. And this was so inculcated in a generation, the generate my generation already was inculcated in in women in my generation, but especially in the next. You don't need a man; you need a career. Then you'll be happy. And I know I've discussed this before, but it's so on my mind, given all these new studies. And I just read a 20,000, was it 20,000? No, it was 20 page. It was about a 13,000-word article in The Atlantic about how many young people have have, uh, no romantic relationship. In fact, they're not even having sex. They are are just alone, and they are uh, afraid of bonding or have been told it's not important or whatever. And The Atlantic is a liberal magazine. It is not a conservative, let alone religious magazine. I mean, it's a crisis. And I, I you know, God, I, I, I must, I guess I mentioned it on my radio show. And, <coughs> excuse me, and I mentioned meeting a woman. What was, how old was she? Was in her, I guess her, I think her 30s, her early 30s, an attractive woman at, a, at a, some dinner party. And over the holidays, and uh, she, uh, she's, and here's the interesting thing: she's a Christian. I mean, she goes to church every week. And I asked her, "Do you uh, are you are you looking to get married?" And she said, "Well, if, you know, if the right guy comes, but I'm concentrating on my career." She's, you know, trying to make it in Hollywood. By the by, the way, the odds of you winning at roulette are much greater than the odds of your succeeding in Hollywood. I, I live here almost all of my adult life in Southern California. Let me tell you something, and I'm not saying people should not try. If if that's your passion, that's your passion. Although we do have a video at PragerU about don't follow your passion. Uh, it's a, it's a very it's a brilliant video. Nevertheless, I'm not telling you what to seek to do for a living, but I do want you to know that if it, it is in Hollywood, uh, the odds are you, you, you won't make it. I mean, it's just, there, there are far more people seeking work than there's work to be given. It's just, that's the way it, that's the way it is. It's like uh, uh, athletes. The vast number of people want to be football players or baseball players or basketball players, and a very tiny few make it. It's a very similar uh uh, odds in Hollywood as in being a professional athlete and getting, you know, well paid for it. Anyway, I asked her ab- about uh, this and she said, oh, if the right man comes. Now, now again, it's amazing because this is a, 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 a committed Christian who you would think would have a traditional view of the centrality of marriage in life. But, but she, was, uh, she was a product of our society just as much as a secular young woman might be. Well, if he comes, if he comes, I mean, it's such a funny thing to me. If he comes, what does that mean if he shows up? What is he going to knock on your door? What does that even mean? You, you have to want to get married to get married in most cases. You have to look for somebody. You have to be receptive. And if you meet the right person at 23... You're lucky. <laughs> Don't throw him or her away. You're lucky. But it's 
listen, right? Love and marriage go together like a horse and carriage. It's a, it's a song from, what is it, the 40s or the 50s? I think the 40s. I don't know, but whatever it is, it's before my time, I believe. And it's, um, but it's a traditional song. I remember hearing it when I was a kid. Love and marriage go together like a horse and carriage. In other words, love and marriage go together. You fall in love with somebody, you get married. Not, not, not today, though. And the, the, the marital rates are the lowest in American history in many countries. This is true all over Europe. It is true in Japan. The, Japan is going to disappear in, 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 I don't know, within a century at the rate it is going because they're just not replenishing. And they don't accept immigrants because they, they, they have a, you know, a bond with uh, uh, being Japanese, and that's fine. I'm not, I'm not calling them racist. I'm just telling you what the fact is. So I, I, don't, know, I don't know what Japan's future is going to be. I don't know what Germany's future is going to be like. Germany is not reproducing either. People think that marriage and children are a pain. And they think that career is this, it's amazing to me how so many of you young people have been sold this bill of goods that career is, is the great happiness giver. Now, I'm, let me say, my work has given me great happiness. I, I, I don't want to deny that. But first of all, I'm very lucky because I truly do what I love and what is deeply meaningful. That's very rare to have very meaningful work and love it, okay? And I, I know how lucky I've been. But uh, it, it has never even occurred to me that I would, if I were single, if I never married, never had a family, and the greatest career in the world, and I have the greatest career in the world, I mean, it's an exceptionally successful career that I've had. But please, <laughs> it, it would be sort of for naught in, my, in, in the way I think, if, if, if I didn't have a wife and children, I, it's, it, you've been sold a terrible, terrible bill of goods. And now I'm reading about how, you know, young people, I mean, talking 20s, not even 15, 20s, don't, you know, don't go out on dates. That, and, and added to the fact that now men are even, even afraid to approach a woman. It's just, again, this Atlantic article that just came out. Uh, a very, very long article and very interesting one, written by a woman who's 40. And she's married, but she was describing it's, 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 it's not a happy scene out there. Men are, men are afraid to walk over to a woman, I mean, even to talk to her in an elevator. A lot of women say, oh, I only wish some, you know, a, guy, a nice guy would start talking to me in an elevator, but they're, you know, they're afraid to, because who knows what they'll be charged with. I'm not kidding. Uh, and I, I, it's just a fact, you know, unwanted advance could ruin your life, even in an elevator. And I don't mean physical advance, just, hi, you know, how would you like to have coffee? So uh, I, I tell you, I feel for uh, this next generation. It, it's amazing all the affluence that we have, all the freedom that we have, and you know we're not at war. And yet the, the, the people who grew up in World War II had, had a happier life. I mean, they, they, they were real financial issues. The country was at war. 
People were losing relatives left and right. But people were happier. There's a terrible combination today of, uh, of uh, secularism and feminism. It's a bad combination. Now, if feminism means that women are, are, are equal to, you, to men, then everybody is a feminist. I mean, who's not, who, who thinks that the sexes are not equal? I don't think they're the same. Equal has been changed. Its definition has been changed. But if you mean equal, that before the eyes of God, before the eyes of the law, of course. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a given. It was a given when I was a kid. <laughs> but uh, feminism does not mean all humans are created equal. The Declaration of Independence of 1776 announced all, all what well, said all men are created equal, to be honest, but by men, in, in, until the present age, men meant humanity. All men are created equal doesn't mean, but women aren't. <laughs> okay, just so you'll know. Like mankind. Mankind didn't mean only men. It, it, meant, it meant the human, the human condition. So secularism is the other problem. Secularism is a religion-free life. People met at church. People dated people through church. People were, were given a social life, were found friends through church, obviously, or synagogue, or a temple. That's gone, too. Everything is now in the, you know, what are you going to do for a living? All the eggs are in that basket. It's not a good idea. I've written a book on happiness. I know a lot about happiness. I've been broadcasting an hour on happiness since 1999. I've talked to so many people around the world about it. And we, we, need, we need people. The, uh, every study suggests that if you have religion and you have a social network in your life, Let's put it this way. Not having either is like smoking 15 cigarettes a day. That's the way they put it in terms of risk to your overall health, well-being, and, and longevity. And yet, so many of you uh, who are young, dating is rare. Uh, people, people think, I, I hear this, and I, and I just read this again in this... Atlantic article that they they can't be bothered in college. There are a lot of women, for example. I, I can't be bothered with a boyfriend. I'm I'm, I'm too intent. Or or girl, guys can't be bothered with a girlfriend. I'm too busy, you know, with my with my schoolwork. I, this you might you might as well talk to me in Swahili. You've got to be kidding. You are too busy in schoolwork to form a bond. With a girlfriend or a boyfriend? First of all, it's hard for me to believe. Okay? I, I, I must say, that's all you do. If, if, By the way, if that's all you do with schoolwork, you are a very unidimensional person. You are what is known as boring. Okay? Let me put it to you straight. I do not at all admire people who just do schoolwork. That is a one-dimensional life. You won't get into the best graduate school, so what? 
two most powerful words in the English language are so what? You have no idea how often I use that when I uh, uh, debate people on my radio show. They'll make some major claim and then I'll go, so what? And then there's silence, which on radio is very powerful, I have to tell you. Silence on radio is, (laughs) I know this is great radio. You would think great radio, you always have to hear a voice, but silence is pretty powerful. There's no answer. So what? So you, you won't go to a, a, a super prestigious graduate school. You'll go to, you'll go to a, a, another one. So what? But you, but you, would, you had led a, a fuller life as an undergraduate. You had friends and you had a social life and maybe you had a boyfriend or a girlfriend. That's, that's a lot richer than getting into Princeton. Does Princeton have graduate schools? Not, does it? Yeah, yeah, you get a PhD in Princeton, yeah or Yale, or Harvard, or Stanford, or whatever it might be. It's mind-blowing. It's mind-blowing to me how people... You, you see, I care about people's happiness. Happy people make a happy society. I know it's, it's, it's not so obvious, it's almost silly. Uh, but, but it's true. Or as I put it every week during the happiness hour on my radio show, the happy make the world better, the unhappy make it worse. And it's, it's, it's a given. A lot of unhappy people walking around. And they, they, then they, they yearn for some sort of meaning in their lives, and they often find it in the wrong places, and they're, they're very angry. It's, it's, it's not a good scene. We've stopped making marriage a value. It's, it's you know, you'll, so you'll be, uh, you'll be in a movie... You 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 would uh, you think being in a movie is going to give you the satisfaction that uh, marriage and family is? Why don't you read the memoirs of stars? Forget the average average person who's in a movie. Most people in the movie are not superstars. But uh, read the memoirs of the superstars. How unhappy they are, and how what happens when your superstar career ends? How many people are superstars for the rest of their lives till they die? It's almost, it almost never happens. Then what do you do? I know when you're young, you never think, what's going to life be like when I'm old? But it's worth thinking about. It's called wisdom, but we don't have much wisdom today. So I'm telling you, get married. Yeah, get married. We have a video up about the benefits of marriage, just in, even, just in, in financial terms. Men who get married make more money because they spend less time at video games and less time going to sports bars and more time working because they want to support somebody and then hopefully a family. And women, you, re- you really think careers is, is going to be more meaningful to you than, than loving a man and being loved by a man? Who told you that? Your professor? Your unhappy professor? Believe me, a happy professor wouldn't tell you that. The unhappy give the unhappy advice on how to be unhappy. That's what happens. And this notion, well, I'm not financially secure, so I won't get married. I I can't think of a dumber idea. Why do you have to be financially secure before you get married? If you're financially insecure as a single... 
it's better that, that it's better to get married while you're financially insecure because then you you cut your costs in half. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't I don't I don't quite understand it. You think uh, you think wonderful people just top into your life? It doesn't work like that. They don't. You find them, keep them. But you can't find them if you don't go looking for them. You can't win a lottery if you don't buy a lottery ticket. This is the opposite of almost everything many of you in college have heard. And you've been given really destructive advice. Read all these articles and studies on loneliness in America. And then tell me. Or if you're listening and you're watching this in Europe, same thing. Okie doke. Time to your, for your questions. Here we go. Mason, 18 years of age, Sunnyvale, Texas. Texas. What is your opinion of Trump pulling troops out of Syria? I'm ambivalent. I don't know what will happen. Uh, anything that benefits uh, Iran is bad. That's the, it, it, there's a, there are certain clarities in my life. What, that is one of them. Iran is the most dangerous regime on earth. North Korea is maybe the most uh, internally vicious, uh, but the, the most vile regime on earth is Iran's. And anything that can weaken Iran is morally good, just as anything that weakened uh, Hitler in World War II was morally good. You have to have priorities. We, uh, we in the West backed Stalin, the mass-murdering Stalin, because we had to fight Hitler. And after Hitler, after Hitler was deposed, then we went back to a Cold War with Stalin and the Soviet Union. So you have to understand the moral clarities of the age. And weakening Iran is, is as moral a clarity as exists. And since he backs Syria, that is the Ayatollahs, or the Ayatollah, uh, that's, that's a big problem. And Russia's a problem too. So I, I am ambivalent because on the other hand, the president made a promise. I'm going to defeat ISIS and then leave. If there's one thing, whether you hate Trump or not, or love Trump, he's kept virtually every campaign promise he's made. And that was one of them. Robert, 19, San Diego, Texas. What is this, Texas Day on, uh, on the show here? Show, it's not a show. On my broadcast? How do you like your steaks? Yeah, that's a Texas question. How do you like your steaks? Well done and medium well, which I know is very un-American of me. I, I take it, I understand. I'm, I'm sure I disappointed a serious percentage of, of those of you watching. Uh, but I... Uh, that's the way I like it. By the way, it doesn't matter. Taste is not... You can't count for taste. I'm answering you because it's a fun question. But it doesn't mean that a medium well steak is better than a medium rare steak. It just means I happen to like it. But that's so I answered you. Jacob, 23, in Florida. What is your opinion of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and its members? I have very high opinion. They're known as the Mormons. I have very high opinion. If you're one of them... I often have made the point that I think it's maybe the most respected group in the United States. Now, talking theology now, I know a lot of Christians have a big problem 
uh, with, uh, with Mormonism, I'm not talking theology, talking about people. Even the Christians who have a big problem with Mormonism know what a quality of life Mormons have produced in their families and their community. You know why? They have set values, they have a community, and people, uh, by and large, adhere to it, and it works out. Nothing's perfect, but it works out. It's very hard to produce good people and healthy families, very hard. The Mormons have figured out how to do it. Are there exceptions? There are exceptions to everything on earth. But you don't judge by exceptions, you judge by the generality. So I have very high regard. The other day I was in a, in a Target, of all places, <laughs> and uh, three young guys came over to me to take selfies. They watched PragerU videos. I asked them what they were doing. So one of them said, oh, I'm going on, uh, I'm, I'm going on a mission in two weeks. So I immediately assumed, and I was right, he was uh, LDS. And where are you going? Sweden. You speak Swedish? No, I'm going to learn Swedish. And they do. You know that the number of speakers of foreign languages per capita is the highest in Utah? In the United States, the highest in Utah. Because so many learn a foreign language and master it in order to be a missionary there. And I told him how hard it's going to be. He said, I know, 85% of Swedes are atheists. But you know what? If he doesn't make one convert, what it does, and this is the genius of the Mormon church, the effect on him is fantastic. Whether or not... Mormons make converts with their missions. You know, they go on two-year missions, young people. They're three months at a time with a, with a, with a same-sex uh, partner. Then they have another one. And very few make many converts. Some make none in two years. But the impact on the kid is, is you know what it is? Maturity. They come back men and women, not boys and girls. Going on one of those missions is, is so much more uh, maturing than two years at Harvard. It isn't even comparable. Brooke, 19, London, England. Do you have any New Year's resolutions? I have more New Year's resolutions th- than I have uh, fingers on my two hands and toes on my two feet. The question is, do I keep any of them? <laughs> That's what you should have asked. Do you keep any of your resolutions? I'm, big, I'm a big believer in New Year's resolutions, as it happens, because even if, you, even if you fail, at least you started. I'm a, I'm a big, big believer in a little is better than nothing. Something is better than a little. A lot is better than something, because you're never going to do everything. It's very rare. So it's a good thing to make a resolution. And if you fail by February, all right, at least you had one good month of exercise or dieting or not gossiping or whatever the particular resolution uh, that you made. But I, I, I tell you this, I'd like to make a list. I think you should, uh, think you should monitor how much time you spend uh, with videos and, uh, and uh, games I'm, I'm, not, I'm not for abolishing them. I'm, I'm for asking how much time you spend. How about this for a resolution? Take up a musical instrument. The reason that people don't take up musical instruments 
is they know it's difficult. So that's why it's one of the reasons people are not happy. They think that fun makes them happy, but they don't. Things that make you happy are not often fun. Believe me, I know. Uh, of all the things, most of the things that have brought me happiness, have been a, it's been a lot of pain with it. It's just the way it is. Children are not always fun. I mean, even if you have great kids, it's not always fun. You know, when they're babies, you know, you got to take care of them every minute. And, you know, and the, today they puke, and the next day they have an ear infection, and the next day diarrhea. It's not fun. But it brings you happiness if, you, if your kids turn out pretty okay. I write books. You know how hard it is to write a book? Well, you probably don't. Unless you wrote one, you don't know how hard it is. It's not fun to write a book. But it brings me some happiness that I've written the number of books I have. I don't even know the number. The only number I know in my life is the number of countries I visited. Because I always brag about it, 130. <laughs> but I should brag about how many books I've written, but I don't remember how many. But anyway, they're very hard. And they're very hard to write. So the, uh, the New Year's resolutions, yeah, you take an instrument. So that's a good example. Let's say you took an instrument and you, uh, you spent a half hour, just a half hour a day practicing. In one year, whatever instrument it is, you'll be able to play something. Believe me, that will bring you more happiness than the half hour you would have spent on another TV series. Okay, there's no question. People don't, the irony is people don't do what makes them happy. They do what's fun. But fun and happiness are not the same. Sarah, 25, Los Angeles, California. Hi, Dennis. Hi, Sarah. Harry Reid recently said that Trump is without question the worst president in U.S. history. In your opinion, who has been the worst president in U.S. history? Well, certainly not Donald Trump. He's not, he's actually thus far, aside from the fact that, you know, I wish he spoke in a more sophisticated manner, but I could live with it. He's actually been a, a, a rather impressive president in terms of what he has gotten done. That's how I judge presidents. Not on whether I like them or their personal life or anything like that. What have they done? Andrew Johnson was a terrible president. Uh, he, the, right after the Civil War, right after Lincoln was assassinated, he had a chance to reconstruct America after slavery, and he blew it. So he, he might qualify as one of them. I think Richard Nixon was a bad president, personally. I, I think he meant well in many ways, but I, 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 don't, I, I have a lot of problems with his presidency. And Barack Obama was an awful president. country was worse off in every way, in my opinion, after he left the presidency. I remember how many people said when he was running first time, I would have a black guest on my show and they would say, yeah, yeah, I think it would be a great thing to have a black president. It'll be such an important role model for young black males who were troubled, you know, and in, into crime or, you know, having children out of wedlock and so on. And of course it had zero impact, zero. Now, I don't blame that on, on Barack Obama. I just want to make this point. 
this notion that the president is a model for young children is make-believe. Think my, you know who was my model when I grew up? My male model? My father. My uncles. And, and, and figures from the Bible and figures from history. George Washington. Moses. Okay? It never occurred to me as a kid to look at the, to the president to be my model. It's an absurdity. I think my father ever said, Dennis, I want you to watch Lyndon Johnson. <laughs> it's, it's an absurdity. I mean, it's nice if they can do that, but it, it, doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't have the impact. Presidents have an impact through their policies. That's what they do. They're, 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 they're the leader of, of the United States. Harry Reid, what a, what a terrible example of a person to cite who's the worst. Uh, Jake, 34, Florida, any upcoming travel plans that you're excited for? How we do it on time? Last question. Last question? So, ha ha any upcoming travel plans that you're excited for? Okay. Well, let me tell you something. I, uh, one second, I, this thing keeps uh, beeping me, and I don't know why. <laughs> it's supposed to stop at a certain point. Anyway, uh, if you read my book on happiness, and I'm trying to sell you a book, I don't care if you read a used copy and I don't get a penny from it. Do whatever you want, but it, it, it's a powerful book. And I, I... I make clear in the book and I make clear uh, in my uh, on the radio show uh, when we do the happiness hour I very very early in my life decided that I would like to have a very stable temperament and so I I, I so hate getting down that I realized that I want to make a trade-off I'm prepared not to have great highs if I don't have great lows, because great highs always come with great lows. It's just the way it is. You can't stay great high. So on a one to 10 scale, I basically said, I will be happy at 7.5 consistently. So I don't get very excited about trips that are upcoming. I get excited as it were on the trip. I don't get excited in advance. I try to get excited every single day as it were. Uh, I'm well, my family's well, my friends are well, uh, I'm, I'm employed, I, I, I'm trying to touch people's lives. That's, very, that's my excitement. Uh, so, yes, I am, I'm taking another cruise uh, in, in uh, June uh, with my listeners uh, up, up and down uh, the Rhine River. Uh, and I've been, I've been cruising for about 25 years. It's one of the reasons I got to 130 countries. Listeners love it. it. The thing is sold out in like a week. People just uh, love these trips. We get, you know, time together, and it's it's fine. And I have a great time on the trips, but I don't get excited in advance. I don't even get excited on the way to the airport. <laughs> and I'm taking uh, I'm taking hundreds of my listeners to Israel at the end of the year. And if you want to come, just my website is, uh, I think, has a banner, DennisPrager.com anyway, uh, where you can 
find out about it. People love those trips. And I love those trips too, but I don't get excited in advance. That's just not my temperament. And it's worked out really well. You know, I just handed in uh, my, uh, the second volume of my five-volume commentary on the Bible, the Rational Bible, which is right now the best-selling Bible commentary in America. I'm very gratified about it. So people ask, it's very hard. This is the hardest writing of my life. And to make very difficult things meaningful to people and only use reason. So uh, it's been a real, it's, it's a real project. And the books are, are, are big. They're 150 to 200,000 words each. Did, did you hear, uh, did, did, did that come through, my bulldog snoring? You know, the, his, his purpose in life is to keep me humble. He, I start speaking, he snores. It, it's like, it's almost inevitable. A- anyway, so people say, well, I just, so I just handed in uh, the second volume, Genesis, even though it's the first book of the Bible. And people say, so h- how'd you feel? And I, I, I didn't feel much. I handed it in, and now I'm ready to do the third of the five volumes. I, I, those are not the things that, that give me highs. I, 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 I love stability. I, I love an, an even temperament. I love it in the people that I associate with. I don't like moody people. I don't like moods. And uh, I, the truth is people love people with an even temperament. You know one of the nicest traits you could have? This will sound really odd. Predictability. It sounds boring, doesn't it? It's not boring. It's terrific. You're married to somebody and you could predict the next day they'll wake up in pretty much the same nice mood as the day before. That is a blessing. It's when the person you're with is unpredictable that you have uh, real issues. So all of that on a question about my excited about any forthcoming trips. Anyway, uh, tune in and let's see. So don't forget, watch the PragerU videos. They're meant to touch your life and give a lot of wisdom. Wisdom is in short supply these days. Do check out the Rational Bible because I think it'll uh, deeply affect your life. That's why that's why I wrote. I'm writing these volumes. And of course, uh, I'll see you hopefully next week at uh, my next fireside chat. So from I'm Dennis Prager, and from my home to yours, God bless you. Thanks for watching.